0: Good morning, my name is Rain and I will be your conference operator today. At this time, I would like to welcome everyone to the Agnico Eagle First Quarter Results 2021 conference call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question during this time, simply press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. If you would like to withdraw your question, please press the pound key. I would now like to turn the call over to Chief Executive Officer, Mr. Sean Boyd. You may begin your conference.
1: Thank you, Operator, and uh, good morning, everyone, and welcome to our first quarter 2021 results conference call. Um, We're moving through our slide deck, and uh, in that slide deck will be forward-looking information, so please, uh, review the cautionary language that uh, is in our uh, uh, PowerPoint material. Uh, what I'd like to do is just uh, review a bit of the sort of an overview of uh, of the strategy. Uh, touch on um, the progress we're making on uh, ESG and greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, and what our plans are there uh, going forward in terms of additional investment, uh, uh, particularly in the north. Uh, Review the the results of the quarter, talk about our exploration, which is a real push for us uh, with a huge increase in our budget this year. Um, So if we look at the quarter again, we essentially were able to build off of the momentum and strength that we saw in the second half of 2020 with the second consecutive quarter of record uh, gold production. Uh, we did that uh, strong operational performance with uh, probably the most employees we've ever had the, and, and extremely good safety performance. So not only are we producing more gold, we're doing it uh, very safely. Uh, our costs were slightly better than forecast in the quarter. Financial position uh, remained strong. Uh, we've declared a cash dividend again Um, So that keeps our track record going. Uh, We've been paying, as you know, a cash dividend since 1983. The focus continues to be on growth and execution of our uh, brownfield uh, opportunities and project pipeline. Uh, We're still looking for 24% growth in production from last year out through 2000 and 24, as we said, we'll touch on exploration. It's a big part of the story in terms of gathering information on the brownfields opportunities. We're seeing extremely good results at La Ronde, uh, good results at Meliadine. We featured some results here at uh, Canadian Malarctic and Hope Bay, we'll talk a little bit more about that. Uh, We plan to have a more fulsome exploration update um, later on um, in the second quarter. Uh, what we decided to do is not uh, pile it all into a quarterly release like we did last time. There was just too much information last February. So we'll be able to break it down and uh, provide some forums uh, with our exploration team to be able to discuss the progress we're making on exploration in a number of areas. Having said that, Guy Len who runs our exploration uh, group and has been with us for 20-plus years, is on the call here, and he's available to answer questions on on exploration so no change in the strategy it continues to be focused on optimizing the existing assets through taking advantage of the ability to convert more resource to reserve extending the mine lives of our key uh mines Uh, that's a low risk uh, high quality strategy uh, given that those are high quality ounces near uh, existing infrastructure and also we continue to be focused on esg we score very well on ESG. Uh, We're recognized as one of the leaders um, in the industry in terms of ESG by a number of external independent uh, rating agencies and research agencies on ESG. Um, We put out our sustainability report our annual meeting is today so uh, we make that available around annual meeting time so that is out today and we're adopting a net zero emissions target for 2050 and we've begun the disclosure of scope three emissions. Uh, We're fortunate uh, and we look at our business because a lot of our production uh, is powered by electricity, um, over 50% uh, of our production. So on a relative basis, we have uh, very, very low greenhouse gas emission intensity uh, within the peer group. Um, In Nunavut, uh, we are required to use diesel to power those mines, so as we move forward to achieve our targets of reducing and getting to net zero, that will require investments in renewable energy, and we're, as we've talked many times before, we continue to work with the governments on alternatives like wind power and also uh, a power line from northern Manitoba up into Nunavut. Um, In fact, at Hope Bay, the government has given the okay for a wind turbine there. We still have some work to do on that, so we have made some um, pretty good uh, progress there. Uh, We talked about safety earlier. It continues to be a priority. We've achieved one of the lowest combined lost time accident uh, records in our history, and we continue to win a number of safety awards at several of our mines. One of the highlights, though, over the last year, it's been challenging for many. Um, but our uh, teams have really stepped up in the communities. Uh, they've done a real professional job, a real classy job of not being asked to help, but uh, stepping up and uh, and taking the initiative to provide uh, food in certain areas, to provide medical assistance in certain areas. Um, as you know, our Nunavut workforce is still at home. Um, it's been over a year. We're getting closer as more vaccinations are. Uh, being put into people's arms in Nunavut uh, they were able to start the vaccination program there earlier so we're getting to the we're getting closer to the point where we can welcome our Nunavut based employees back and we look forward to uh, having uh, them back as far as the quarter goes uh, record production for the second consecutive quarter as we said um, without Hope Bay it was five hundred and five uh, thousand ounces. Um, which is a record that sets us up nicely uh, to meet our guidance, but also to produce 2 million ounces for the first time in our history over 2 million ounces. Uh, that's uh, over 300,000 ounces more than we produced in 2020. So we continue to make uh, very good progress. Our capex uh, estimate continues at uh, a little over 800 million, and we talked about the declaration of a quarterly dividend of 35 cents a share. As we look at the quarter, uh, we're pleased and happy to be, to be delivering strong cash flows, uh, strong earnings, uh, good cost, record production. I think the real value driver, though, is ex- continues to be exploration. We saw the beginnings of this about a year ago at several projects. Um, we highlighted, as we said, a few of uh, our exploration results in the quarter in this release. Um, East Goldie, uh, the the extensive step out there, um, is potentially significant because essentially what East Goldie has done is turn what was a very marginal underground project into what will become Canada's largest underground gold mine, which we announced last February. Uh, We've always said from the start that uh, given the location of East Goldie uh, in a a totally different rock package than what the main structure is along that main break in that region Uh, it opens up the potential um, and we have over 20 kilometers of ground covering that uh, major structure so to have a step out over a thousand meters to the east um, is important we believe it uh, just demonstrates the immense potential of that area to find additional gold, and as you recall in our study, which we put out in February, uh, we only assumed uh, that we would mine about 7 million ounces of an overall envelope, which is currently known to be in excess of 14 million ounces, and here we have a step out 1,000 metres to the east of the East Goldie mineralized envelope. So. That's why we view it as potentially significant. It's close to the boundary of the rand Ballardic property, which we acquired a couple of years ago. That's a property where there is a 2% NSR, but we have the ability to buy it all back uh, for, I think, $7 million. So um, we just like that area. And I think, as you recall, we said many times, one of the reasons that we got involved in this back in 2014 is the fact that we were on that uh, in that region for decades and we felt that there was the potential for uh, significant underground opportunity and that's unfolding as we had hoped. Uh, so uh, stay tuned for more results there. At Hope Bay, uh, steady pace of work. Uh, we've got our a, a, a team in place um, from Agneco that's augmenting the team at Hope Bay. We're making improvements in the operations. Uh, They're focused on the Doris deposit. Exploration is largely focused on Doris Uh, we think we can extend that uh, part of the operation while we continue to drill uh, Madrid uh, and the Boston deposits and at Upper Beaver we had the best reported drill hole intersect ever on that property over 60 grams uh, almost one percent copper uh, a little over 16 meters at a depth of 1200 meters so we continue to drill and work on our analysis of the Hope Bay or of the both the Hope bay and the upper beaver opportunity the next slide is really just a long section of canadian malarctic there's 10 rigs going 30 million dollar program split 50 50 uh, with our partner uh yamana as we said uh, the structure is wide open it covers 20 kilometers you can see uh, on the right the Rand malarctic property boundary uh, that's a property that uh, hasn't had uh, much exploration on it, and, and that's why we say the structure is totally uh, wide open, and that will be a main focus of our exploration program, because it's the thickness and grade of East Goldie which really drives the entire Odyssey underground uh, mine opportunity. Uh, we also see on the next slide a long section of the Doris uh, deposit the Hope Bay Mine. Uh, just a reminder, the program's $16 million. Approximately 70,000 meters of drilling. About 30,000 meters of that is delineating uh, Doris, and 40,000 meters will be exploring targets around Doris, uh, Madrid, and Boston. From an operational perspective, um, we see improvement in recoveries um, at Hope Bay to over 90%. So, step by step, uh, making it a bit better. Uh, but the real prize we we feel here is. The two large uh, geological belts, 80 kilometers long, it's gonna take some time to drill them. We're not in a hurry here. Uh, While we optimize and improve what we have at Doors, we'll be really focused on what is the overall size of the mineralized uh, deposits on these two large trends and that will form uh, the basis for our analysis to look at how we can expand the production capacity at this operation uh, at some point in the future. As far as uh, operating results, we got really good contribution from several of our big producers. We'll start uh, with Ronde. Um it, The key to the quarter was really excellent productivity in the West Mine area and at LZ5. At the West Mine area, we were able to produce more uh, than our forecasted uh, mining rate, um, as we did also at LZ5. And LZ5, uh, we had record production, averaging over 3,100 tons a day, uh, which was well above the forecast. And that was really driven by uh, ongoing improvements and optimizing the, the usage of automated equipment. Um, and we're also seeing that at the main LaRon deposit. Uh, we continue to um, make steady progress. As we said at Leron, uh 26% of the mucking was done from surface uh, at the Laurent deposit, and at LZ5, 21% of the production uh, mucking was automated hauling done from surface. So um, good, solid progress there. We continue the exploration pro- program. Uh, we're, gonna, we're developing three exploration drifts to explore areas uh, below LZ5 uh, f- from one kilometer to three kilometers below surface, uh, which essentially barrack and lack. Prior to that, we really didn't do much exploration on. So, that's the same rock package. It hosts all the deposits on LaRon, so it's wide open. Um, so, excellent exploration potential. And that type of program is really a key component of our full potential program to understand uh, how we can continue to optimize these large cash flow generators and extend the mine lives. And we see potential to do that at uh, several of our mines, including uh, Laurent. Goldex, uh, steady progress, 35,000 ounces, uh, good cost performance, uh, largely driven by the continued outperformance of the railway system. Um, it was above target at over 7,000 tons a day on average in the quarter. Uh, so that technology, uh, the teams have done an excellent job in not only uh, looking at how they could apply it at Goldex, but actually uh, ramping up and improving its uh, productivity. Continue to explore that deposit particularly around the south zone, which is higher grade. Uh, so good, solid performance coming out of Goldex. At Canadian Malartic. again, good contribution, producing almost 90,000 ounces, our half of that operation. We had record tons mined in January. Uh, mill performance was above target, averaging uh, over 58,000 uh, tons a day on a 100% basis. So good, good performance there. Uh, we talked about the Odyssey. Uh, drilling, uh, and that will be a key part of this project as we look forward. Uh, What we saw in February, as we said at the time, uh, was basically what we would call the first cut. Um, This will be optimized continually as we go forward, particularly as we understand how much gold exists in the Pontiac sediments which host the East Goldie Deposit, so this could have a meaningful impact on the valuation. Of that opportunity at Canadian Arctic. Kitzla set records in March for monthly gold production and tonnage milled. Uh, they're also making good progress on autonomous production, um, both in drilling and haulage. Uh, trials were underway in Q1. That will be important for that mine as it, it um, looks to expand further. Um, we are impacted by COVID there in terms of the Kitzla shaft and delays there. Uh, because the team that was doing the work is is, uh, out of country, Um, and so there are travel restrictions uh, going in and out of uh, Finland, which has held us back. We've been transitioning into local employees there. Um, That doesn't really impact our ability to do the ounces because we can simply take them uh, from the ramp system. It's just a little bit more costly to be using the ramp. But um, we'll get uh, the shaft in place uh, second half of uh, next year, about six months behind uh, schedule. Meadowbank steady improvement, produced about 80,000 ounces. Uh, They set a record in March for long haul trucking uh, performance. So uh, good, steady, uh, solid improvement there uh, with good uh, production coming particularly in March, which allowed them to post a quarter of about 80,000 ounces. Meliodine, um, when you add in the uh, Tiraganiac ounces, Meliadine produced more gold than any of our other mines for the first time, uh, producing 96,000 ounces. So we've made major uh, advances in terms of productivity. Uh, We processed uh, 4,600 tons a day, uh, which was the target. Over the last year or so, gradually working up to that target, we expect to be at 4,800 tons a day by the fourth quarter of this year and ultimately continue to expand. Uh, To 6,000 tons a day uh, by 2025. This is another project which will be long life. Um, We have continued to explore it, um, starting exploration drilling back about 18 months ago. Once we uh, got into commercial production, we continue to get good intersections at Pump South and West Meg, um, which indicate that the deposit continues to be wide open um, at depth as we drill it. So. Um, In Mexico, uh, steady performance, good cash generation there. Uh, La India, a little bit of an issue with water. Uh, We would expect to be able to ramp up production in the second half of of the year there. Uh, But when you add it all up, uh, pre-OPE, 505,000 ounces approximately, uh, which was a record. That generated good earnings, uh, good cash flow per share of $1.47. Uh, which is a strong quarter. Our financial position remains strong. We paid cash for Hope Bay, including the buyback or buy down of the royalty uh, that was on that uh, property. Um, so as we move forward, we'll continue to rebuild that cash position as we generate strong net-free cash flow. So just a quick summary. As we said, second consecutive quarter of record production. Uh, we continue to be focused on delivering the growth of 24% from last year out through 2024 as we focus on brownfield opportunities and our project pipeline Uh, as we get more information on these opportunities uh, through our uh, expanded exploration budgets we can provide updates on that Um, our focus is still on low geopolitical risk regions we think that's extremely important as we look at the business going forward These are places we're very comfortable being in. We've operated in them for a number of years. A big part of our strategy is synergies and um, being able to transfer uh, technology, uh, but also uh, knowledge and experience between these operations to help uh, uh, keep our costs down, but also to help us understand new opportunities uh, that we find through exploration and how we build them into the project pipeline. So, I think what I'll do, operator, is I'll open the line uh, for questions. Uh, We've got our full team here, um, and we'd be happy to uh, take questions.
0: Thank you. you. As a reminder, to ask a question, please press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. Again, that's star one to ask a question. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster. Your first question comes from Fahad Tariq from Credit Suisse. Your line is open.
2: Hi, good morning. Thanks for taking my two questions. Uh, Maybe first on Nineveh, Uh, you talked about in the release um, at least starting to have discussions with local authorities about uh, reintegrating uh, the local workforce. Can you remind us what that would mean from a cost perspective? I know there's a number of initiatives that has spent on. Uh, while while those employees were unavailable, but as they come back, can you just remind us from a quarterly basis what that means from a maybe a
3: cost savings perspective? Yeah, hi uh, Tariqa Tamara here. Uh, we will end up saving money when they come back, as as I think we've expressed before. The additional cost we're still paying those employees 75% of their salaries, so that works out to about a million dollars a month. Um, there's a lot of work that's gone into transitioning them back, mostly about safety for uh the uh, communities as well as the employees but uh yes, there will be a savings of about a million dollars uh, uh, uh a month as they uh come back into the uh, workforce uh okay okay thanks and then
2: and sorry just to follow up on on cost as well so I know um one of your peers talked about like the the stronger Canadian dollar having an impact on obviously the Canadian exposure uh, or Canadian exposed costs and operations. Thirty-two percent of your exposure is hedged, I think, in 2021. A- any color on you know if if FX rates stay where they are today for the rest of the year? What what does that mean for maybe annual cost guidance, including CapEx? Things? Yeah, on it's it's
3: about sorry, it's Dave. Did you want to take that, or should I take it?
4: Uh, go ahead, Amar.
3: Okay. It's about thirty, as you mentioned. It's about thirty-two percent hedged. Um, the sensitivity we've been able to offset. Obviously, you saw in the first quarter uh, we dealt with that. Uh, you know, the dollar right now is, is it was averaging about one twenty-six versus our budget of one thirty. So we were more than able to offset that. Um, but it is something that we're on top of all the time uh with regards to to mitigating it right now we haven't adjusted our our guidance uh even with uh even with the movement in the currency
1: maybe yeah, they, I, I would i,
4: yeah, I would just ahead. add uh, yeah. sorry sean go what were you going to
1: say no i was just going to turn it over to you maybe just give some color on your thoughts on hedging and and what's in place yeah
4: yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks for the question, Fahad. Um, it's it's an interesting time because the, with the Canadian dollar uh, lower than one twenty three at the moment, and the guidance was set at one thirty, uh, you get into the interesting situation where you you probably end up trying to protect things like one twenty eight that you probably wouldn't have considered previously. Uh, but there does seem to be some strength in the Canadian dollar. The Canadian government is making some noise about raising interest rates. The U.S. government is not making noise about raising interest rates. So I think that has contributed to the strength of the Canadian dollar. And one of the things we just talked about a couple of days ago was to perhaps use some more exotic instruments to uh, try and benefit the company, but pay a little bit more attention to... Uh, the volatility and really pick our moments here because we with the addition of TMAT, I would say we're feeling a little bit under hedged. Uh, we would normally be around fifty percent hedged uh, for the current for CAD on the year at this point, and so it's something that we're looking to add to opportunistically. and I think there, there's always volatility, so I believe we'll get our chance.
5: Okay, great. Thanks for that color.
3: Thanks.
0: Your next question comes from Tyler Langton from JP Morgan. Your line is open. Yeah,
2: good morning. Thanks for taking my question. Um just a follow up question uh on cost. I mean, are you seeing, you know, outside of the uh the exchange rate pressures, are you seeing anything with you know sort of labor, labor tightness, uh like other materials, just, just any concerns there for the uh, for the cost guidance?
1: Um, I'll start and then I'll turn it over to uh, Dominic Girard in terms of uh, labor tightness uh, that's been pretty stable in terms of uh, what we see as sort of annual uh, increases in our wage costs, particularly in Canada which is the biggest part of our business which has been sort of 3% or so a year Uh, we don't see any sort of pressure on that as we look uh, forward Um, as far as inputs I'll turn that over to Dominic uh, Girard, who's on the call on the input price side. Yeah,
6: we see, we start to see some um, uh, increase, uh, let's say in the coming time, uh, mainly steel, uh, concrete, uh, and also tires. But what we're doing, uh, our procurement team is uh, well uh, tuned on that and try to take uh, some opportunity uh, on that. Uh, let's say the, when we we give a contract uh people start to be hesitant a bit to give a price because it is really volatile so far uh, prices are still uh, into our range but again this is as everybody uh, uh have the the situation in our own lives that's that we see pressure coming and maybe on the on the workforce uh as sean mentioned that this is still uh, well uh we're in good position except on the drillers where we see a bit more uh competitivity into canada and europe but other than that uh this is uh this is
2: still okay okay great thanks and then just um amelia dean i think the, the cash costs in the quarter were like around 628 an ounce and i think that's you know a decent amount below the annual guide of around 730 740 can you just talk about i guess what and you talked about good productivity but was there anything else in the quarter and just kind of how you think about costs uh for the remainder of the year at the mine
6: well, on cost per ounces, uh, we, we produce more ounces. So that's uh, the main driver. We have a better grade into the month with a good productivity. I think an interesting uh, uh, look at the cost, if you look to the, I think it's slide maybe 17 or 18, uh, where you see the Nunavut operation cost per ton in Canadian going down. So that trending uh, is still uh, continuing with the, let's uh, say, optimization at sites, uh, more productivity, better control on cost. I think we're going to just continue to see that uh, in the
2: coming quarters. Okay, great. Thanks so much.
0: Your next question comes from Anita Asani from CIBC World Market. Your line is open.
5: Question uh, on costs, on the unit costs. Across the board, the unit costs uh, seem to have uh, been better than what you had um, put out. out, uh, for guidance in uh, in February, can you just give me a like run down some of the um, assets and uh, it, some of the main drivers and and try to get us to uh, get me to understand you know why those costs would maybe revert to what you were guiding to, or do you expect those unit costs to continue to outperform?
1: Well, maybe I'll start uh, and as Dominic said, a lot of it was a few more ounces uh, in the quarter, uh, which certainly helped uh, from a unit cost perspective. Um, But in terms of the drivers, um, we will see some impact on FX. Um, I think some of the input prices we can offset just through productivity. Um, Will we be able to uh, lower that cost guidance? I wouldn't think so, given that the FX continues to be uh, volatile and unknown uh, to us. So that's why we felt um, that it was sort of premature to make any sort of longer-term call or extend our view on the cost performance uh, going out. We do have opportunities at some of the mines to produce a bit more gold. Uh, we'll see how that unfolds as we get through the next quarters. As we said in the release, Q2 is a bit less. Uh, we have planned shutdowns at uh, LaRon, Goldex, uh, Kitela had uh, some work being done as well, um, Meliodine. So there's several of the operations. They're down for a few days, uh, which puts a little bit uh, lower production in Q2, but that comes back strongly in the second half. Uh, so if you look at ach- achieving the guidance, we're looking for really strong Q3, Q4 from an ounce perspective. So that will help the unit costs at the back end of the year.
5: Okay. So maybe on the, uh, on the Canadian dollar costs, they would be the same, but if we're looking at the U.S., um, you know, with the with the stronger dollar, the the overall per ounce guidance on U.S. dollars would be the same. Uh, and then, second question um, would be with respect to uh, the TMAC acquisition. So the, the Hope Bay, I noticed you had some pretty uh, pretty good grades for TMAC. I mean, I had the pleasure of covering that um, uh, you know before they uh, before you bought them out. So ten point eight gram per ton material is is, uh, is pretty good grades. What what can we expect? Is that like similar with similar throughput levels or uh, will it be variable with variable throughput and variable grade? Uh,
1: Dominic, can yeah, do you uh, uh, handle that one? Yeah, yeah I
6: could I take that one. The, the throughput is, let's say, between 600 tons per day so to 700 tons per day, and the grade is going to vary, I don't know, 9, 10 grams per ton, which uh, which bring us to the 18,000 uh, to, 18, to 20,000 ounces per quarter. Uh, in the first part of the, let's the, the, say in the first quarter, we were more in the BTD zone, which is more higher grade. Through the year, we're going to move to the DCN zone, uh, which I think it's around seven, eight grams per ton zone, so a bit lower, uh, lower grade, but uh, with uh, uh, a bit more tons. Uh, so that's uh, that, that's really the the plan. Uh, it is uh, honestly very uh, in, uh, interesting grade. And uh, it's good to see progress uh, at the mill, reaching uh, 91% recovery in the first quarter. We're a bit higher than that, uh, Q2 up to date, let's see if we could maintain that. But uh, that's interesting. And if if the mine is able to uh, pr- produce more uh, with optimization, uh, we have room at the mill. So um, it's it's encouraging to see uh, the, the, the continuous improvement there. Okay. And then
5: um, just to follow up on that. Um, The uh, development work, um, when do you expect, like, the capital levels that you were spending this quarter that was probably maintained for the course of the year, I think I saw in your guidance, but as we move forward into next year and the year after, when will you have to invest um, to really get, continue to produce these ounces?
6: You mean in 2021
5: or? Like, looking into 2022, 2023. Should we expect the similar capital levels for, uh, you know, going in longer term? Um,
6: I don't have answer to that question yet. The team is the revising uh, uh, a new base plan uh, because now we've uh, put the, uh, the Madrid, the, our body, in care and maintenance. Uh, we, we postponed that. That's have helped uh, for the CAPEX because we avoid uh, some costs at the short term. We still need to do some... Uh, thinking uh to really uh, put the the right position for the ramp and the infrastructure uh and from that new baseline which is going to be ready uh, in 2022 we're going to have a better view uh in q2 we're going to have a better view but uh uh, so the the spending right now it's uh, approximately 10 million per quarter i believe uh, that we're doing uh, in
1: terms of capex at uh, the whole base okay thank Uh, you i answered my
5: question
1: yeah, Anita. Just on the, on the strategy there, the strategy is to sort of be cash neutral. Um, on that, uh, as we drill and get more information, uh, what we think, uh, based on what we've seen so far, is we think there's more at Doris, so that would extend Doris longer. Um, as we said, we've stepped back at Madrid because um, we just don't like the location of the ramp and uh, particularly at the type of rock it's in. Um, so it's required us to sort of rethink that. Um, but again, as we said, we're not in a hurry, we're in a hurry to, to drill it and to understand it, uh, but we're not in a hurry to, you know, ramp up CapEx. We just see this thing as very, very long-term, uh, we're going to find more ounces there, um, so we're going to take our time, uh, in terms of next big steps. Um, but in the meantime, if we can keep it sort of cash-neutral and keep those drills turning, um, uh, that's a good objective for us.
5: Yeah, I mean it looks like the the focus would be on finding similar grades and and uh, you know more ounces there rather than necessarily improving the mill, it's running at ninety one percent. So Yeah. Okay. Thank you.
1: Thank you.
0: Your next question comes from Funit Singh from Industrial Alliance, the Alliance Open. Thanks, good morning. Um
1: just uh, related to Q2, are there any higher grade stockpiles that you already
6: have at some of these assets that could potentially lower the impact uh, of maintenance in Q2? Uh,
1: Dominic, yeah,
6: not really. We don't uh, usually when we have high grade stockpile, we process them. We don't wait for that. And the uh, let's say the shutdown in Q2 are are there uh, question of a uh, mill liners uh, uh, wearing that it's uh, their lifetime is done. There's a, there's a shutdown at uh, Kittela for the Autoclave where we need to do a dentist job because the scaling is built up. We need to clean it. It's a 10-day shutdown. There's one at uh, LaRon. It is uh, also a 10-day shutdown where we do more in-deep electrical uh, maintenance. Uh, we use that season, that part of the year, because it's, uh, it's a better season to do it, and also it's prior to summer holiday. So strategically... Uh, it happens that we have more shutdown in Q2, but uh, uh that uh that's normal operation. Um, we're gonna see that we're gonna see uh, uh through the second half of the year uh better grade at La Ronde, uh, not at La Ronde, at the middle bank and also uh a good productivity everywhere and that's gonna be the, uh, a better second half, uh, but it's just a question of timing. Okay, great. And uh and at Meadow Bank, you did really well this quarter, and
1: you're calling for a similar production rate next quarter. Do you think you'll still have some of that softer ore helping you uh, next quarter? How should we think about that?
6: Uh, yeah, the let's see the mine the mine is better is producing better than planted, and the mill is is uh, all, also able to process more. A part of that is uh, related to the soft, soft or part of that is related to the very good performances on maintenance availability and operation productivity. So uh, we, there, there's opportunity uh, to do better. The, uh, let's say the bottleneck remains uh, the, the, the hauling in between the two uh, the mine and the mill. Uh, we saw record numbers in March at uh, 11,000 tons per day. Uh, So, there's also four other trucks coming on the barge, so that's going to give us uh, more flexibility for the second half of the year. If we're able to to do more transportation, there's opportunity to do more tons.
5: Okay, great. Those are all my questions. Thank you.
0: Your next question comes from John Tomezos, from John Tomezos' Very Independent Research. Your line is open. Again, your next question comes from John Tomases from John Tomezos, Very Independent Research. Your line is open. Hello, John? At this time, that question has been withdrawn. Your next question comes from Greg Barnes, from TD Securities. Your line is open. Thank you, Sean. This big step step out at Melodic East Goldie
2: does that potentially change your development approach on the ground and where you would um, orient mining? Yeah, to see? I,
1: I think it's too early. Um, I'll, I'll let Guy in, in a minute just uh give you his color on what we're seeing. I, I think that, um What we do know there is that um, there's tremendous capacity in the plant once we transition into an underground. Um, So I think we need to drill the Pontiac sediments and see if there's, uh, you know, if East Goldie's bigger, if there's another uh, repeat of something like East Goldie. Um, If it's on non-royalty ground, then certainly the economics could be better. Um, So this could be, I don't know, it's early, it could be something like, the La area where we have multiple shafts over 20 years. Um, so we don't know, it's too early. Um, but I think when you see something um, like this, I think our experience tells us you pay attention, you follow it up and you understand it. Um, and then you try to factor it in uh, for additional development. And so I think when we look at Kittala, uh, we always thought it was a potential Laurent in terms of multiple shafts over time, given the size of that deposit. Uh, we continue, as we move to the north, continue to see that deposit grow. As we go deeper, we continue to see that deposit grow. Um, LaRon was the example of multiple shafts over 30-plus years. Uh, could the Malarctic area uh, be something like that? I think what's interesting to us is here you have an underground uh, mine and uh, area that was mining initially in 1950, was shut down. And then the OSISCO team uh, you know, was astute enough to get the open pit up and running, and that gives us an opportunity now to uh, build what we see as being Canada's uh, largest underground mine. How long does it go? I think that's the question. And the other question, as you just said, is: is there an ability, because of multiple sources of ore that we don't know of yet, uh, to actually have more tonnage coming from underground, I think that's the question we have to answer. Geet, can you provide some of your color? I know you're probably feeling lonely there. We've no, no. To answer questions without an exploration
5: yeah. so no I think thinking?
1: uh yeah, no
2: I it's a pretty good question, but when you look at it, it certainly doesn't move the center of gravity of the ore body yet because uh the uh with the the core part of East Gouldy that has you now that 6.4 million ounces and, uh, and, and, and more with good grade and width, you see also that we've provided results from the uh, tight the field, the infill drilling within the main ore body. So, that is not changing the, uh, the center of gravity of something that is already quite sizable with the total 14 million ounces. So, I think that from that perspective, uh, but as Sean mentioned, uh, our team basically, when we were looking at the ore body, because the ore body at East Goldie is quite predictable, it is simple, like we say, plywood shape. Uh, and we've basically uh, looked at that structure and let's say, well, it's, you know, pretty, uh, using the, the known geometry, projecting it the kilometer to the east. Uh, we were having some ongoing drilling at the Rand Monarchic, we've extended those drills and even the week before we got to the zone our team you know, told us well we should get into the zone at 2250 meters on the whole they got into the zone at 10 meter off from their predicted uh target so they they got into the structure right where it was supposed to be with exactly the same type of war a, a cut and pace of what we see within his and we were quite amazed that we were able to project and predict the location of the old body a kilometer to the east and Get into it right where it was predicted, but yet we well that first roll is interesting in terms of of uh, the fact that the the, the zone is predictable and where it was supposed to be, and are we yet in the best part of the deposit at that easting? So a lot more drilling will be planned moving forward to better understand uh, at that easting where the center of gravity is, and are we as we see in the known part of East goldie there will be higher grade, the grade. Uh, varies from, from two grams to eight grams with an average of about three and a half, four. So pretty interesting. So I understand the hole was drilled from a random electric property. Were you hitting mineralization higher up in the hole on that side of the property boundary? Oh, yeah. yeah. We Usually within the Rand Arctic, there are known uh, porphyry intrusion like Porphyry 12 that holds the, the Odyssey, but with some 1 gram, 2 gram over 10, 15 meter. But, mm-hmm. you know, the, at the end of the day, we've used that drill hole and we've pushed it way deeper, enter into the Pontiac for 600 meter uh, to, to reach out for the East Goldie. So we have multiple... Uh, target in every single of those row holes. So we usually start quite far to the north, get into the entire uh, volcanic sequence of the Pichet, the Cadillac break, and then keep going into the sediment to the south. Okay. great. Thank you.
0: Your next question comes from Tanya Dekuskonik from Scotia Bank. Your line is open.
7: Uh, yes, good morning, everybody. Um morning. Order. I have a couple of questions. If I could come back just uh, um, to again the the cost structure, I just want to uh, check on uh, on just a couple things on inflation and and currency. Um, Maybe just uh, Dave, just on on the uh, sensitivity for the Canadian dollar. um, I just want to check and if this number is still holding. But a 10% move from uh, the 130 mark. Um having an impact of about fifty dollars per ounce on your cost structure um is that still a reasonable assumption
4: uh yeah, when we put that number out though we didn't have the exposure from um from Tmac yet, so it'd be a little bit different than that the The, the way I think about it is um you know we can still protect that one thirty if we're able to do the same amount um I'd say 128. So uh, what we think now uh, with the TMAC is probably five or six dollars uh, for one uh, percent change or a hundred basis points. Pardon me.
7: Okay. Okay, that's helpful. Thank you. And uh, just coming back on to the in- inflationary pressures, and maybe it's Dominic that's going to take this one. But um, you mentioned, you know, steel, concrete, and tires. Are you seeing any um, anything in freight, any inflation there or in cyanide
6: uh, I don't have the detail for cyanide freight, uh, I would say most most probably. but the uh, again, we don't we don't see uh, challenges to meet uh, our guidance uh, so far, and uh, let's say the mine the productivity are offsetting those uh, those increase. Uh, but we, need, we keep, let's say, we keep an eye and uh, it, it keep under the radar, uh, mainly on delivery time. And uh, if we see something, uh, for example, in tires that creep up, uh, we could take decision to put more uh, into inventory if needed. Uh, so that's the type of thing we're uh, doing at a close follow-up. The, the barge season, a mat- lot of the material, let's say, if I took the north as an example, a lot of the material have, have already been ordered. Uh, because that needs to be uh, at the cancor for uh, June, uh, June, July when we start to do the shipping. So the, all those uh, those ones have been uh, protected. Uh, but now we're starting to look. Okay, what could happen in uh, for 2022, and maybe to take some position if needed.
0: Okay, so you're
7: protected for this year. It's just more for next. Okay, perfect. And, and if I could come back to, I know Guy's been feeling lonely and, and maybe Sean from a bigger picture on the exploration side. Um, so I just want to understand just the strategy for you this year in terms of reserve replacement. I mean, you've got a lot of, you know, interesting um, exploration targets and, and success. Maybe just review some of the assets for us where you think you're going to be able to replace reserves or the strategy of move
1: or increase... Exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah, Guy, can you uh, yeah. take that
2: one? Yep, yeah, certainly. Uh, I'll go over the main asset, I guess. Uh, Laurent, uh, you know, Laurent, as you know, it's... Uh, some of those mines, uh, you know, they come in in, in, in sequence. You know, uh, until we we kind of demonstrate a concept, extend the production. Last year was a good year at Laurent, where we've been uh, adding uh, more uh, reserve at lv 5 with the continuous success this year. I do not anticipate, let's say, for example, at Laurent specifically, that we're going to replace completely what we're going to mine. Uh, although there's drilling ongoing, we are positioning ourselves, let's say, for Around the more important thing this year is that we're positioning those exploration drifts beneath the Busque, but it's more kind of a long, long-term payoff. So we 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 may this year and next year maybe not completely see a complete replacement, and eventually down the road we'll get the, we'll get some some more ounces showing up further right down the road. Same thing in Monarchic Monarchic, quite sizable deposit. As you know, we our share are depleting three hundred and sixty thousand ounces roughly a year. Well, until we get the study to bring uh, East Goldie into reserve, uh, we won't see a replacement. So, right off the bat, you know, if we're not you know, replacing Monarchic, you know, so from the existing mine, those two have those specificity that they're going to come, you know, further down the road, there will be a chubby addition of reserves. On the other end, you have something like Gold X where we see a complete replacement. we see Kila where we see a complete replacement uh, Kitela, it's more again uh, now we're having the shaft we're having you know a bit, a, a, a case that we can get five hundred meters below the shaft limit. We're more looking at the long term because we know that there's still mineralization a kilometer below the bottom of the shaft so now we're moving more into uh, uh, put some more robustness on the resources and reserves beneath the bottom, bottom of the shaft. So I think for the near term, we can expect that Quetela will replace what they're going to mine for the upcoming two, three years. After that, we're going to have to come with, let's say, a plan to convert a bigger part at depth. Um, in Mexico, Los Saltos, I think we're in good shape uh, to replace a fair part of what we're going to mine. Line BIA, it's more of a we're mining dioxide until we get a plan to do something with the sulfide. Uh so we we will see a, a net depletion at uh, at at uh line dia uh Santa will come further down the road. I guess we're getting good results, good signs. So eventually we'll come out with a, a, a reserve. Will it be in two phase? Will we keep the oxide first, then the sulfide further down the road? So we're we're working on it. And then you enter into the project. Obviously, we've been drilling a lot at Upper Beaver, and we anticipate that. Potentially next year at, uh, at the February update, we'll be able to come out with an updated study. We'll, we'll come with uh, some some addition of reserve in line with the good results we've been seeing. And we're currently uh, looking at to the uh, OBE historical resources to uh, make up our mind about uh, what we're going to do with those historical reserve and resources uh, integrating in, into our business for a year end.
7: Okay, so, so so that I know, so, so just so my understanding, so I should think of more um, La Ronde and Canadian Malartic and maybe Hope Bay as more, you know, resource growth um, for year-end and the other mines you've given me in terms of reserve replacement. Would that be a fair way of looking at it? Uh, La Ronde and Malartic, yes. Hope uh, Bay,
2: not sure. We're still under review of our plan over there.
7: Okay, that's helpful. And if I could just ask just on Meliodine, Sean, just um, on the um uh the uh, water, the the saline water pipeline, just maybe a little update there in terms of um where we are with the um the public hearings which have had to be postponed and just getting the permit.
1: Yeah, Dominic, uh, you're involved with that one. Yeah, I can take that one. Yeah, the
6: related to the COVID uh, break breakout in uh, Nunavut, the uh, the public hearing have, have been postponed, but uh, we we don't have uh issue uh, because mainly uh, we with our good performances on grouting practice, uh, we see that the inflows are uh, 50% lower than what we planned. Plus, the uh, mining uh, rate into the pit is going also better than planned. So. We have uh, we have enough room capacity. Uh, it's not a, it's not an issue, uh, and we we're going to continue to follow the, the the process for the the hearing. We don't have news yet when it's going to happen. Again, everything is uh, it's going to depend on how it's going to go with the COVID. Uh, but we 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 stay tuned on that. Okay. Okay. Thank you
7: so much. Hey, Tanya,
4: before before you go, I just want to um, clarify one thing on the hedging. When we give guidance on the sensitivity to currencies, uh, we do not consider the impact of hedging. And because we have hedged CAD, uh, for 100, 100 basis points move from budget, so 130 CAD to 120 CAD, would not be the full $50 per ounce on all in sustaining cost because of the existing hedges, it would only be about $30 per ounce. I just wanted to make sure you understand that the guidance doesn't include any impact of hedging.
7: Okay, now that's really helpful because uh, that, 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 that's meaningful.
0: Thank you.
4: Yes, it is meaningful. Yeah, thanks.
0: Your next question comes from Ralph Profiti from 8 Capital. Your line
1: Good morning, thanks for taking uh, my question. Sean, I wanted to come back to the East Gouldy step out with two quick questions. First one, it it doesn't sound like there's gonna be an impact on the planned or target positioning of this initial shaft, Um, but when does that definitive uh, decision have to be made in terms of where it goes? And then my second question is, How flexible is is the permitting process if if we run into a situation where we have successful drilling to the east over time and sort of the mine plan can become a little bit more dynamic? Mm -hmm. As far as the shaft location, we've essentially selected the shaft location there, Um, so that shaft will continue. The question is, is there additional ore that's found through exploration which causes us to add additional underground access? So I think that's the real question here. So we've always looked at this as being uh, large and long life. And so I think what we're seeing is that if we were to incorporate much more than 7 million ounces of the 14, this would go well beyond 2039. I think what the drilling has suggested is there's a possibility that it's longer life, but is there now a possibility for additional sources of ore? Because that's essentially why this is now a successful project because East Goldie gave us that additional thick, higher grade source of ore that allowed us to pull it all together. So I think, um, although it's early, I think we need to sort of drill that entire uh, length of the Pontiac sediments and do it systematically, but initially follow up on this drilling that's been done from Rand Millardic uh, to see uh, what's around this latest drill hole, and that may start to change our thinking in terms of additional investment going forward. Um, so we have to certainly do that uh, in conjunction with our partner but um, what we see so far we like and as you heard from Guy it matches up perfectly where you would expect it to be given uh, the orientation of East Goldie and how it plunges Uh, as far as permitting uh, maybe Dominic or Guy can talk about um, the sort of permit process there it's pretty straightforward because we have an existing operation so it's not like we need Um, We're starting from scratch there, so uh, the authorities are pretty amenable to that, and it helps that it's underground, but is there anything else, Dominic or Guy, on the permit side if we decided that we had to uh, initiate additional underground access at some point to uh, increase the underground uh, mining rates?
2: No constraint from the exploration standpoint.
6: Well, and it, uh, as you mentioned, Sean, it's easy to permit an underground. Uh, let's say we've hit the first go uh, D two, three years ago, and now we're sinking the shaft. Uh, I guess uh, if we have another shaft to build, that could be the same uh, type of sinking. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, Go-Gee, go, go drill, that, drill that.
3: Understood. Thanks very much.
0: Your next question comes from John Tomazos, from John Tomazos, Very Independent Research. Your line's open.
3: Thank you. Sorry I had the mute button on before. Sean, just in case um, your good technical people succeed on many fronts and everything comes up roses, uh, mm-hmm. Santa Gertrudis, Upper Beaver, Hope Bay, Hammond Reef, and a couple of the exploration projects among the 17 on the exploration spot on your webpage, would you rule out going to 3 million ounces or more, and should we assume that you're just going to rank the projects by internal rate of return at a conservative gold price scenario? It sounds like there's a lot of progress.
1: Yeah, I think that uh, we've been pretty consistent in saying that uh, for a lot of reasons, um, largely due to uh, risk um, and not wanting to increase the risk underlying risk level of the business, our preferred approach is sort of measured discipline as far as allocating the build capital. Uh, it's okay to you know bump up exploration budgets, uh, particularly when you're getting results so that you can get information, which is kind of consistent with the approach we took at LaRonde early. People would say, why the heck, are you drilling at 8,000 feet at Iran when we were doing it? You're never going to get there. And our view was, well, we want to know what we own. And I think this is exactly the approach we're taking, is that we want to know um, as soon as we can what we own to actually help us work through uh, the options and the ranking, um, the relative ranking. And I think that's going to be important. What we don't want to do is build multiple projects at the same time, blow our CapEx budget out up, eat up the free cash flow, uh, that's not a high-quality business. So um, I think that um, we're comfortable with this approach. Um, as we said on something like uh, Hope Bay, we, we are literally in no rush. Uh, when we bought it, people were somewhat nervous. Oh, my goodness, this is going to blow their CapEx budget up. No, it's not, um, because we view it as long-term. Uh, look at how patient we've been with LaRon for 30-plus years, 40 years, step by step. As the drill sort of led us, uh, you know, to the next step, we just, you know, gradually invested um, in that opportunity. So, you know, this ties into the question about reserve replacement as well. Uh, when we think about it, um, there's a pretty good chance our reserve number in February of next year um, is the same or higher. You know, we have Hope Bay, which isn't in our 24 million ounces of reserves. Um, so, and he went through the list. And... Um, you know, we're getting good exploration results at a number of projects. So that's the basis, but I think the nice thing about it, John, is we have this combination of brownfield opportunities at places like Leron, Kittula, Goldex, um, Meliodine, and then we have the pipeline, and it's how do we uh, put together a mix of both brownfield and pipeline so that we can get the best bang for what will be a predetermined, Uh, capital allocation pie that everybody's competing uh, for internally and that we just find that that's going to be the most effective approach and a lot of that is really just we just happen to be a gold mining business that's just good business but we like the jurisdictions we're we're in Uh, we like the fact that you know think about it you know Laurent you've been there many times we're putting out three exploration drifts to the west uh, into the Bousquet property Uh, something we bought 15 years ago for $7 million Canadian, and there's ounces there. Uh, We've got a massive sulfide zone to the east of the main ore body at Le Ronde. Look at the drill results at Canadian Arctic. There's a lot of life left here. Look at Kittula uh, as we go deeper. I think uh, it got lost in the February release. I think the step out at Kittula was several hundred meters um, that stepped out from the main deposit there. So... Um, you know for us this is all about per share value over time and if we're patient and keep a lid on the share count and work the drills hard uh, we have some pretty smart people throughout the business that know what to do with this stuff when we find it Um, and so that's going to be the approach because it's worked for many many years there's no need to, to change it but I have to say and I've been here 36 years um you know the best and most exciting part of this has always been the exploration stuff um and we never know you know this whole this step out of malarctic it may not be anything um but it may be something pretty important and so that's the excitement that's what keeps us coming to work every day to you know see how the teams are able to continue to grow these deposits and then turn it over to the project teams and the construction teams and the operating teams to see how they can turn it into meaningful cash flow generators. So no change in the strategy. Thank you. Again, to ask a question, please press
0: star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. There is no further question at this time. I would now like to turn the call over back to Mr. Boyd for closing remarks.
1: Thank you, operator, uh, and thank you, everyone, for your attention. We have our AGM today at 11. Uh, I don't think you'll hear anything new from what you just heard uh, over the last hour or so on the conference call, but you're certainly welcome uh, to join us. It's uh, virtual Um, But anyways, enjoy the rest of uh, your day, and uh, thanks for your time and, and the questions. Take care.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect.